the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Well, good afternoon. Greetings. Thanks for coming along. An absolutely gorgeous Tuesday afternoon here in the city of Pittsburgh. Kath, after taking uh, Columbus Day off, uh, glad to see you're, you're back in the spare room. Things are well. I was not celebrating, Christopher. You weren't? No, I wasn't. I mean, you know, I'm glad he found the place. Yeah. But, you know, some things could have been cleaned up along the way. Yeah, it's his life, right? It's messy. <laughs> Nothing. Hey, listen, 60 years ago today, even as we speak, the Bucks won exactly. the World Series. There's those crazy nuts down at the Forbes Field. I love them so much. Me too. They've been meeting there for decades, you know, and I they ab- replay the game. So let's I go Bucks. I love it. Well, I mean, let's not get carried away, John. I mean, you know, kick me off and I'll give you the top four. Oh, yes, please. Uh, so here it is, just a few minutes past the four o'clock hour. Kath, the top four at four. All right, John, let's begin with number one. Judge Amy Coney Barrett took question after question today from senators who appear more interested in their own political posturing than with her judicial philosophy. But, of course. But there was still considerable time for the nominee to discuss her approach to several angsty issues, such as the Affordable Care Act. I believe they have wrapped things up in Washington as of now. Number two. two. As you said, John, today, the 60th anniversary of Bill Mazeroski's heroic home run, which won the 1960 World Series for the Pittsburgh Pirates at exactly 3.36 p.m. at Forbes Field in Oakland in the bottom of the ninth. Mazeroski hit the ball that devastated the hated New York Yankees and catapulted him to the top rank of Pittsburgh sports heroes. And here are some statistics for you, John. Are you ready? Mm, Please. Thank you. In 1960, the Buckos were 95 and 59. Nice. They finished seven games ahead of the second place Atlanta Braves. Mm. And they were led by two players who had unbelievable seasons. Dick Grote, who won the batting title with a 325 average and was named National League MVP. And pitcher Vernon Law, who won 20 games and the Cy Young. Very nice. Vernon Law, the deacon, because he was a deacon at his local mm-hmm. church. I mean, is that a good year or is that a good year? year. Yeah, with Dick Grove, the pride of Swissville. Fabulous. Number three. Looks like the New York Jets, John, have decided to unload Le'Veon Bell just as soon as is possible, which is hard to believe because Le'Veon is such a team player. What happened? I don't know. And number four. The wife of Pennsylvania Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman says she was verbally assaulted while grocery shopping at the Aldi on Route 30 near her home on Sunday. In a post to her Twitter account, Giselle Fetterman released a video of a woman directing a racial slur at her. It's really ugly. According to Ms. Fetterman, the woman recognized her in the store and began verbally assaulting her in the checkout lane. And that is your top four at four. Good gravy. I mean, this story has made national news because of the idiocy of one person. And of course, you know, 
uh, the racist among us makes Pittsburgh look bad, make all of us look bad. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, so. But more than that, terrified a woman. Yeah, of course. She was crying. Grief. So, so Miss Fetterman is from Brazil. She came to this country uh, as a young child, as an undocumented immigrant. Uh, she became a citizen, I think, in 2005. Her and her husband have lived in Braddock, Pennsylvania, which, of course, if you know Braddock, has not necessarily the garden spot of the world, but they have really done great things in Braddock. And then he's taken uh, that mantle of being at one time called the coolest mayor in America and has parlayed that into the lieutenant governorship. So she goes to Aldi and she tries to get some Kiwis. Uh, Ms. Fetterman standing in line and assaulted Someone says, oh, there goes that N-word. And then the woman's followed out to her car. And then Ms. Fetterman tries to take some photographs. But she thought she was taking a video, but she was so flustered. The clip is only two seconds long. But clearly, you can see the person in it. It's an older woman, probably in her late 50s or early 60s. And she's just mouthing off. Isn't that depressing? It really is. Good grief. Yeah, what the heck? What a country. What, so what's listen, going on so, here, right? Yeah, to Ms. Fetterman, you know, it's just our condolences. Our condolences. I'm sorry that you had to suffer through that. That what she said in the uh, article I read in the trip that she was afraid. Of, of course. course, she was afraid. Right? You go through something like that, it shakes you up, right? Gis- yep, yeah, Giselle she Fetterman. A, she has a right to be able to go grocery shopping when she wants to, free of all that. So, <laughs> it's just really yeah. unfortunate. Yes. Well, it's uh, been a big day in Washington, D.C. What do you say? We take a break, come back. We get some insight from David French, who joins us from the dispatch. That's ahead. It's the Tuesday edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy here on Word FM. WORD, Dr. Michael Youssef. When I begin to praise the Lord, regardless of the problems that I'm facing, regardless of the trials in my life, sooner or later, you're going to discover that your eyes begin to lift away from your problem and focuses on your heavenly position. Dig deeper into this on Leading the Way. Tomorrow morning at 6.30 on 101.5 WORD. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around... I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-494-2323. That's 800-494-2323. 800-494-2323. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. At Fisher Investments, we do things differently. And other money managers don't understand why. Because our way works great for us. But it may not work for your clients. That's why Fisher Investments is a fiduciary obligated to put clients first. It's the highest standard for a financial advisor. So what do you provide? Cookie cutter portfolios like the rest of us? 
No cookie-cutter portfolios here. Fisher Investments tailors portfolios to meet each client's goals and needs. But you do sell investments that earn you high commissions, right? And make commissions when you make trades for your clients? No, Fisher Investments doesn't sell any commission investment products, and we never earn commissions on trades. So what's in it for you? Fisher Investments fees are structured so we do better when our clients do better. When it comes to helping clients achieve a comfortable retirement, we're clearly different. Visit FisherInvestments.com to find out why investors like you switch to us. Fisher Investments, clearly different money management. Investments in securities involve the risk of loss. At Eden Christian Academy, hope is rising. Hope that is secure in God, that builds faith, and inspires a love that can't be stopped. Eden is where parents find hope in a true educational partner, where students see faith woven into every subject, and where teachers model the love of Christ to every child from pre-K through 12th grade. Tour any of their three North Hills campuses during Admissions Week, October 19th through 23rd, and witness the hope, faith, and love that Eden can offer your child at EdenChristianAcademy.org. This is Albert Butler with another word about the upcoming election. There is so much at stake. We might not be able to vote as conveniently as we voted before, but that just puts on Christian citizens the responsibility to work even harder to make sure that we vote and that our vote counts. Too much is at stake to sit this election out. So, whatever it takes, go vote. Well, if you've been watching at home, the Supreme Court uh, hearings today for Amy Coney Barrett, much less contentious than with Brett Kavanaugh. However, they do have their fair share of bloviating drama and self-promotion. Here to talk to us about what we're witnessing of day two of these hearings is David French, who is senior editor at The Dispatch. David, welcome back. Well, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. So yesterday, David, was fairly unbearable. Um, with the, <laughs> that's just how I felt about it. With just you know listening to one you know speech after another, from opining senators. Uh, talk about today's hearing. Uh, what did we uh, learn that perhaps we didn't know before, if anything? Uh, nothing. Okay. <laughs> I think that uh, you know, in a way, though, I felt like, and I'm actually writing this for my newsletter as we speak. I felt like I took a trip back in time. Um, really. To. January 2012, and I, I was imagining this hearing taking – it was as if this hearing was taking place in a different era of American politics, uh, pre-Trump, pre-Kavanaugh. As you said, it's just kind of a lot of normal stuff, um, Democratic senators trying to uh, catch or trying to trip up Judge Barrett and trying to get her to state what she believes about cases that could be in front of the Supreme Court, uh, trying to sort of politically trap her perhaps judicially trap her as well into situations where she might have to recuse herself. She's doing what judicial nominees do, which is kind of bobbing and weaving and saying, you know, not prejudging cases, which is exactly proper. Um, and, you know, you're seeing the Democratic senators pro-Roe, and you're seeing Republican senators more pro-life and anti-Roe. It all feels so kind of like a blast from the past uh, before – we had unsubstantiated gang rape allegations brought into the last yeah. uh, Supreme Court nomination. But what the other thing that's really interesting about it is how much Obamacare has come up. Hmm. And the reason for that is on November 10th, one of the very first cases that she might hear is 
the combination of the state of Texas and the uh, Trump administration's challenge to Obamacare. This is like the third time Obamacare has been to the Supreme Court. And uh, there, you know, the, the question is whether or not Obamacare stands or falls. But what's weird about this is that nobody who really um, closely observes the court or very few people who closely observe the court believe that Obamacare is going anywhere. They mm-hmm. think the Trump administration challenge is just destined to fail, has no hope, has no chance. I'm so confident that it won't work uh, that I told my uh, podcast co-host, Sarah Isker, that if it fails, I'm going to compose and sing live on the podcast a three-minute song of tribute to my least favorite athlete, Christian Leitner, who broke my <laughs> Kentucky heart in 1992. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's just not going anywhere. You must be awfully confident, my friend. I am very confident. I'm very confident. And it's, but it's a it's so but it's a very weird situation. I, I for the life of me am completely stumped as to why the Trump administration weighed in on Texas's side to try to knock out the law because it the case doesn't have any real hope. But what it does do is it gives the Democrats a talking point to say that the Trump administration is trying to, you know, re- reverse Obamacare and including the pre-existing conditions um, benefit and, you know, the benefit of your children uh, a little bit older, being on your own, uh, on your plan longer. Some of these things that are really popular, Medicaid expansion, in the middle of a pandemic, and and I don't know why they're doing it, because it has no chance. (laughs) But because the Trump administration is doing it, the Republicans sort of have to defend it. (laughs) So it's a bizarro situation. So maybe, David, is it because the, the the absence of of probing about Amy Coney Barrett's uh, religious practices or beliefs that there's not much to cling to? Yeah, that's exactly right. I, you know, it's funny. Uh, it's almost as if, cause, you know, one of the reasons why Amy Coney Barrett is so popular amongst um, especially Christian conservatives is the way that Dianne Feinstein attacked her about her faith previously, saying when she was at her confirmation hearing for Seventh Circuit, that the dogma lives loudly within you. It's almost like you're not a self-respecting conservative lawyer if you don't have a dogma lives loudly within you coffee mug on your desk. Right. And and so that made her kind of a, a judicial version of a rock star. But it's almost as if the Biden, you know, if I was running the Biden campaign, I would have gotten on a Zoom call and said to all of those those Democratic senators on the, on the Judiciary Committee and said, if you give the GOP one viral moment mm-hmm. over her religion, when we, if we win the presidency or when we win the presidency, you will not have a place in my White House. And they've been pretty disciplined about it and not going there. Um, I mean, they're, they're sitting on a lead and they don't want to mess up the lead. Right. Well, so David, that's a good sign, right? So this is one of those things that, you know, a um, I was going to say a healthy democracy. I don't know if we're healthy or not, but uh, but <laughs> health. It's one of the ways a healthy democracy works is that a party pushes something um, or a platform that goes too far, and then the public responds badly, and then they back off. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That was that did that went over like a lead balloon. Um, there's not a real large constituency in the Democratic Party to just trash a person's face so directly. I mean, heck, the Democratic Party can't win an election without 
black voters, and black voters are the most church-going cohort of Americans in the whole United States. <laughs> so just flat-out trashing somebody's faith, it, it went over like a lead balloon, as I said. And to do it again on this stage would allow the Republicans to change the subject of, you know, could, could allow the, at least for a new cycle or two, allow the Republicans to really go on the offensive, even in the presidential election, saying, look, we got to protect America from anti-Christian bigotry. But, um, the, the, you know, Biden is very clearly trying to signal that he doesn't want any kind of that nonsense from the Democratic Party. And and so I, I, I would be really surprised if they launched a direct attack on, on Barrett's face. Good. Yeah. We're speaking with David French from The Dispatch. So, David, um, in lieu of high drama, it, it seems as though your former colleagues and our friends from Alliance Defending Freedom have found themselves oddly on the hot seat. Uh, talk to us about that thread. Yeah. So Amy Coney Barrett has spoken to what's called the Blackstone Legal Fellowship, which is uh, ADF. It's a, ADF is a conservative Christ, Christian legal organization. I used to be a senior lawyer for it, uh, ran its Center for Academic Freedom. And uh, attacked the ADF uh, or attacked her for speaking at ADF events. And the reason why they attack her, quite frankly, is because of just this ludicrous, ludicrous decision by the Southern Poverty Law Center to claim that ADF is a hate group. And they, they claim it on the basis of completely false allegations. They falsely claim that ADF wants to criminalize homosexual behavior. They falsely claim that ADF argued for sterilization of transgender individuals. Like all of these things, it's just, it's just false. And so there's this false designation of ADF as a hate group that is tainting this. And absent that designation, there wouldn't be this controversy. It's, it's a Christian judge speaking to Christian lawyers at a Christian legal organization, but it, it's one of the you know, one of the many, many things that the SPLC has done to bring discredit to an organization that was founded mm-hmm. to fight real hatred and not right. Christian Christian lawyers. <laughs> yes, and it's one of those weird instances where if you say something enough, it becomes true, yeah. right? So the Southern Poverty Law Center can say ADF as a hate group. I'm sure if you knew people and talked to people who were at least, you know, following along, they may nod their head and say that, which, of course, what you're saying is true. Nothing is further from the truth. Right. It's it's it actually it's you know one of the few things that you know that one of the things in, in public rhetoric that makes me genuinely angry is that hate group designation because you know one of the things I know from the inside I, I mean I was a senior leader at ADF I know the heart and soul of that organization and these are people who are trying to do the right thing the right way who treated even their most fierce opponents with respect and with dignity and and have always urged, you know, all these hundreds of law students, thousands now, thousands of law students that they have taught and instructed, um, you know, one of the core elements of the teaching is bless those who persecute you, love your enemies, and to have them called a hate group is just, it's beyond the pale. Yeah. And it's just another symptom of the fact that we, well, first of all, because it's very easy to demonize people that we don't like. I guess that's the first thing it right. tells us. And we've seen that everywhere. It's not like this is the first time. Um, yeah. But the, yeah. But but the other thing it tells us is that, you know, we're speaking different languages and, you know, whether we're talking about Blackstone or we're talking about ADF or we're talking about people of praise or, you know, whatever it is, people who go to church and then a secularized America, we speak two different languages. 
Um, we have different vocabularies. And so I guess I, you know, I, I understand why if someone who's never been in a church hears a term like ruling elder, it seems yeah. weird, <laughs> right? I mean, I get that. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's the one thing that's important to remember is that not only, you know, do we do, are there Americans who have sort of very different beliefs, but we tend to cluster together in like-minded communities so that, you know, you can grow up in some parts of this country and literally never meet an evangelical person, like never meet one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and so everything you're going to learn about evangelicals, you're going to learn from, you know, the media that you consume or, you know, the, the, uh, from other people who many of them also have, don't know any evangelicals. And, and likewise, and there are parts of America where the idea that America is a far more secular country just feels weird. Like where, where I live in Franklin, Tennessee, it is, you know, mega church nirvana. <laughs> you know, somebody would drive down our streets and say, America is secularizing? Are you kidding me? Not only are these churches huge, the buildings are all new. I mean, what's going on here? We're talking with David French from the Dispatch. So, David, let's go back. Uh, Amy Coney Barrett, day two is done. Two more days, essentially, of the hearing. Um, Lindsey Graham said this yesterday, that he doesn't expect anything dramatic to happen, that no minds will be changed. It's pretty much a done deal, and we can expect that in those next two days. Yeah, I mean, if if there's anything that we have learned in decades, the recent decades of American politics, is that what Mitch McConnell wants, Mitch McConnell gets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so... Once he made the decision to go forward prior to the election, I mean, barring a completely unexpected series of events um, that are, you know, out kind of outside of human control, this thing's happening. Um, she was getting on the court. She's going to sit on the court and she's going to hear the Obamacare case on November 10th. And uh, this is all going to happen. And, and the Democrats, I think, it's one of the reasons why they're, they've been relatively restrained because – since they know it's inevitable, basically all they can do right now is hurt themselves. And and honestly, Amy Coney Barrett is such a compelling person, and she's such a poised and talented and respectable, and you know, she's she just so much to like about her. Their honest thought is the quicker she's off of TV and the faster Trump is back on TV, the better it is for them. Mm-hmm. All right. So in closing, David, you know, your opinion on this, I'm looking for. Um, It seems like, you know, once the Robert Bork uh, hearing went the way it did, things changed. That was just that was kind of a that was a sea change for how we look at approving Supreme Court justices. Um, The same with Brett Kavanaugh. And I'm wondering if you think it was the same with Merrick Garland and if this will be what a return to the way things used to be. Well, it won't be a return to the way things used to be because this is not the way things normally are. You don't normally have a judicial confirmation hearing while people are voting in a presidential election. In fact, uh, nothing quite like this has happened in a very, very, very long time in American history. And so um, this is the Democrat – every side of the judicial wars views each new side as an escalation. So um, the the Republicans will say – Bork, the treatment of Judge Bork was an escalation. And it was. It was terrible. It was terrible the way that he was treated. And then they say, then the Democrats did it again with Clarence Thomas. And it was, you know, so much of the treatment of Thomas, I think, was unfair. Um, 
then the Democrats say, well, you started, you slowed down the nominations of all these highly qualified Obama justices. So we had to get rid of the filibuster. So they get rid of the filibuster. Then they, then the Republicans get rid of, then the Republicans block Merrick Garland. Then they get rid of the Supreme Court filibuster. Then, so it just goes and goes and goes. And I think overall in the judicial confirmation wars, the Democrats have escalated more than the Republicans. And over, the overall political wars in the U.S. and you know I use that term you know political conflicts better as description in the U.S. There's been a lot of escalation all over the place. And so what I would expect is I would expect if the Democrats win, I don't think they're going to try to immediately court pack. I mean they've got a lot on their plate um, that they that they're going to try to get through. So I don't think court packing would be immediate. But I, I'll guarantee you this. If Roe comes up for a vote while the Democrats control the House and the Senate and the presidency, um, I guarantee you they will say, keep Roe or we'll court pack. Hmm. I guarantee you they'll say that. And that's where the court packing issue really comes into play. It really comes into play not as an active legislative threat right away. It's more like the sword of Damocles hanging over the head of the mm-hmm. court, right. hopefully, hopefully trying to influence it. God help us. David French of The Dispatch. David, before you leave us, take a minute, talk to our audience about The Dispatch and the work that you do. Yeah, so The Dispatch is a new conservative media organization dedicated to uh, fact-based analysis and fact-based reporting. We try to take a pause on the news cycle and uh, forsake the hot take and the outrage clicks. And so check it out at thedispatch.com. We've been adding to our team. We've got new newsletters and we are in, and uh, we've just been putting out some really good stuff lately. So go to thedispatch.com and check it out. Terrific. That's David French. David, also give a give a plug for the new book in thirty seconds. <laughs> it's called "Divided We Fall," and it raises the question about whether our political divisions could lead to the division of the United States. And uh, it's not a cheery book, but I think it's a realistic look at what our political polarization is causing. Very nice. Thank you, David. Thank you. Thinking about What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino, and believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-494-2323. That's 800-494-2323. 800-494-2323. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. Look, it's a great question. And maybe you know the typical family saves $500 a month switching to MediShare. But does it work? That's what Catherine was wondering when her family of five made the switch. And then she was diagnosed with an advanced cancer. Just the surgeon's bill was 100000 The first call that I made to MediShare, I was 
prayed with and prayed for, and there were just no problems at all. I mean, we just have not had any problems. So her need was met. And MetaShare is a community of Christians who've now shared more than $4 billion of each other's health care bills. So many people are joining now wondering, why didn't we do this sooner? Catherine says her family has saved so much over the years. The savings have been thousands and thousands and so yes, it works. Find out how much you can save. It's easy. You can call now and get a price within two minutes. Here's the number, 844-45-BIBLE. That's 844-45-BIBLE. 844-45-BIBLE. First Presbyterian Church is a beacon of light and love to this community. The message that I hear sustains me for the whole week. I love this church because of the diversity and the music and the people. The incredible beauty of the space. A warm, welcoming congregation. The people are amazing and truly love one another and Christ, and our pastor preaches the gospel. I want everybody in Pittsburgh to come and experience. First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh in the heart of the city with the city in its heart. Hi, I'm Miss America 2020 Camille Schreier, and I'm asking you to join me in support of the DEA's Take Back Day on Saturday, October 24th. Keep them safe, clean them out, take them back. Visit DEATakeback.com. That's DEATakeback.com. We are everywhere. On your radio at 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh at WordFM.com, the WordFM mobile app by heart, tune in, and at radio.com. Tonight we'll see clear to partly cloudy skies. Expect a low tonight of 45. Tomorrow will be mostly sunny. Tomorrow will reach a high of 67. Tomorrow night, mainly clear skies, low 55. Thursday will be breezy with some sunshine giving way to clouds and a high of 73. Weatherproof your next adventure with AccuWeather. Download the newly redesigned app today. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Well, as we look toward the new and we embrace all that's coming in the new election and the new presidential cycle and the new Supreme Court cycle and all of that, we look back to World War II and a jungle fighting unit has just been approved or is considering being approved for a congressional medal. John? Yeah. How about this? 1944, for five months, 2,000 people, 2,000 soldiers, I should say, not people, 2,000 soldiers, they fought their way through the jungle in Burma. And as they went through through the jungle, those 2,000 soldiers shrunk down to 200 survivors. Really? So it started at 2,000 and went to 200. Exactly. A thousand-mile journey. Uh, They literally cut themselves through this jungle to capture a Japanese airfield. And now um, the only supplies that they had were ones that were airdropped by the United States military. Of course, Wait, so 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 the military knew they were there? Yep. And knew they were hemmed in? Yep, it was a special unit called Merrill's Marauders, and uh, they were designated this very special group of people, volunteer only. And finally, after a thousand miles and almost six months, they arrived at their destination. They took the airfield over, but then were quickly overcome by new Japanese forces. And those 200 survivors, they were filled with malaria and bugs and you name it, walking through the jungles in Burma for six months. They were quickly overtaken. Then they were airlifted out of Burma and brought back to the safety. Now, since 1944, it looks as though this story has been told. I mean, the guys who are surviving 
surviving. Nine men survive of those final 200. Wow. And it looks as though they're up for the Congressional Gold Medal. Now, the gold medal is different because the gold medal, it celebrates a group of men as opposed hmm. to just one man. Okay, so the Medal of Honor is for one person. Exactly. But the Congressional Gold Medal is for a team of people? Right, exactly. Huh. So this has been going through the process since 2015. And in that time, more than 90 of these men have passed away. See, that's what I, yeah. I mean, can't we like fast track this a little? Well, it looks as though it's fast tracked. It's finding its way. They say this week to President Trump's desk and the thing will be signed and they'll be recognized for their incredible bravery and valor in 1944. Listen, isn't it good for your soul to read stories like that? You Heck think, yeah. you know, here we are in the middle of everything that we're all suffering and being challenged by and you name it. And you read that and you think, well, you know what? At least we're not in the middle of the jungle in Burma with malaria. You got that right. We'd all cry. Would we right, not? with the enemy firing at us, right? Yes. It kind of gives you a little bit of perspective. Mm-hmm. Let's take a break. When we come back, Kurt Bjorklund is with us from Orchard Hill Church. He's going to talk about the value of in-person worship versus Zoom service. Stick around for that conversation next. It's the Ride Home with Johnny Kathy here on Word FM. W-O-R-D. You have prayed to receive salvation. You're a church member. You've been baptized. You know your Bible and you tell others about your faith. And yet you're not going to heaven. Could that be you? How can you be sure your salvation is genuine? Take John MacArthur's salvation survey and see if you're saved or self-deceived. That's this week on Grace to You. Tomorrow morning at 7 on 101.5 WORD. Hi, everybody. It's me, Marcia, from the Spring House. Isn't this a fabulous time of year, especially on our dairy farm in Washington County, PA? The pumpkins are turning, the corn is waving in the wind, and the hog quarters are on the pit every Sunday through the end of October. That's right. It's time for our annual... 4-H hog roast. Mom bought a bunch of 4-H hogs that we will be roasting over the open pit outside all morning long. Alongside that tender, tasty, charred pork, we'll be serving pork and kraut, barbecued pork, hand-peeled mashed potatoes with pork drippings gravy, sage stuffing, baked beans, homemade applesauce, and all kinds of family recipe fall veggies and casseroles. We'll even have live music by local musicians. To keep the crowd spread out and everybody healthy this year, we have two jumbo tents set up outside too and the pumpkin patch hay rides will run 11 to 5 all weekend good old-fashioned fall fun and feasting on the farm come join us springhousemarket.com we're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days windows are us pittsburgh is no different when it comes to working around your home windows are us remains committed to the safety of you and your family for roofs, gutters, and downspouts, siding, and of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. And all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for a free repair or replacement. Visit windowsoruspittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of the highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry from a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. Why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company, windowsoruspittsburgh.com. That's windowsoruspittsburgh.com. Hi. 
I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our to have and to hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HennyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. I think it's fair to say that a lot of churches have started to open up again. There are in, in-person in worship experiences. But on the other flip side, it's also fair to say that a lot of churches still just are unable and or unwilling to meet in person. So what about that? I mean, what about the, the, the value and the variety, the experience of being together with your fellow believers, your neighbors, your friends, people that you've worshipped with for many, many years, all together in one space, Versus sitting at home in your living room with your wife and your kids and, you know, participating, worshiping on a Zoom call. Kirk Bjorkland is with us. Kirk is the senior pastor at Orchard Hill Church. Orchard Hill Today is heard daily here on Word FM. And Kirk, uh, you're experiencing this from both sides, of course, leading worship yourself. Um, What's it like in person versus Zoom from your perspective? Well, it's a great, great question. You know, certainly right now in the midst of a pandemic, people are going to have different tolerances for risk and for what they will say I'm willing to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's healthy and good. Like, I think it's important for a church not to assume that everyone should have the same take and to allow for some diversity. I think what um, what has caught my attention is how many people I've heard say to me, I really have come to love the virtual church and not sure if I want to come back to in-person worship. Really? Even once I'm done with, uh, you know, whatever pandemic concerns I've had. Wow. And, and that's just gotten me to thinking about, about, you know, how legitimate is virtual church? Mm-hmm. How um, concerning should that be if that becomes a trend? Um, that outlasts the pandemic in terms of people saying, hey, I can do church kind of at home on my own time, my own terms, my own way, um, Mm -hmm. rather than being part of a local fellowship or even saying I'm part of a local fellowship, but I do half at home, half in person, a quarter at home, you know, a little bit, you know, however that works. And and so that's really uh, just something I've started to ask just as I've seen Um, you know, a large number of people at our church um, continue online, even past where I know their COVID concerns are. Um, Yeah, it's hard. It's hard, though, Kurt, right? Because there are so many variables at work. Um, Because, you know, even if people, and maybe this isn't the case at Orchard Hill, but I'm guessing it is, even if you do show up for in-person worship, which a lot of people are doing these days, it's not the same as it was anyway. So that's, you know, it's not like you're comparing something online that's new and different to the same thing that you've always done, right? You're comparing two things that are new. Absolutely. Because if you're social distancing, which hopefully you're doing, if you are meeting in person, um, then that's not the same experience that you've had in the past. And so there's, there's no question. It's, it's very different. Uh, in terms of what it is. And, and and I'm actually a fan of virtual worship overall. Like I don't, I don't have the um, overly, um, 
a restrictive view that says that doesn't count or you shouldn't do it or only in a pandemic kind of a thing. But I do think there are some shortcomings that it's good for people to be aware of once they settle into that as more of a pattern. And, and I think just as I've looked at it and experienced it, one is, is there something to the public declaration by showing up and attending a public worship service that doesn't happen when you do it in person at home or alone at home. And what I mean by that is there's something to singing the songs, even if it's just kind of non-aggressively singing the songs and sitting and listening to a message that is affirming the faith publicly that you can't do at home, that, that there's a spiritual discipline in that that is worth something. Um, to your own faith development and to the community. I think, secondly, there's um, a missing communal element, obviously, but I think the the real danger of that, because people will say, well, you know, when I'm at church, I, I just sit and participate, you know, as one of a crowd anyway, and my real community is my small group or something else. But but I think what happens is we can become consumers really easily mm-hmm. um, doing it via a screen, and what, what happens when we do that is is all of a sudden we treat church like we treat all the other screens in our lives, which is, do I like this? Is this interesting enough? Will I keep it on? Do I agree? Do I disagree? And instead of you know singing a worship song with a group of people and then maybe disagreeing and going out in a lobby and talking about it and saying, yeah, I'm not sure about this, and doing it in community, we, we treat it like consumers. And, and I think that that's probably one of the great dangers Right. Uh, early in the pandemic, when when uh, we were doing all online and only online, um, uh, you know, I had a chance to do church at home with my family, just like like other people did. And um, there was one weekend where where we were having breakfast and watching church. It was kind of nice. It was like this is awesome. You know, I'm, I, I do an hour of church instead of a churchathon day. You know, all this kind of stuff was kind of nice. And um, but then I, I saw it just in my own family. Um, and my kids love the church that we're part of, so so this is not you know anti-church, but they started to pick on one of the singers who was a little mm. pitchy, yeah. and then it was we don't like this song, and right. then it was it just deval it just degenerated into this complete consumeristic experience, um, and this is from you know family that's deeply invested in in the church that that we were picking apart. Um, and and I just saw again that danger, and then I think there's there's a danger of distraction when we're at home. Uh, meaning, you know, you start making breakfast, and the dog has to go out, and and you start to treat it again like you do other media that you consume, which is I can kind of just just be half in, half out. Right. And there's a big difference in that experience, and so I think. Overall, church, virtual church is a good thing. I think it's a good thing in a pandemic. I think it's a good thing when you can't go or when you need a change of pace. But I also think there's some dangers that, that if people become too accustomed to it, they won't even realize how, how much those, those factors start to negatively impact their experience of living in a church community, kind of the way that, that I think um, uh, God intended us to live in a broader community. That's good. Kurt, uh, Kurt Bjorklund's with us from Orchard Hill Church. Kurt, I, I really not thought about that, that uh, word you're using, the consumeristic uh, aspect of it all. I wonder, you know, before the pandemic, pre-pandemic, 
was Orchard Hill up and running with video on a regular basis? Because, you know, for a lot of churches, uh, there was a, a big learning curve as to how to go about this. So, I mean, I remember early on in the pandemic, scrolling through Facebook, and, you know, th- there's 10, 15, 20 churches that you could be part of their service immediately. So I know friends who, you know, for lack of a better word, they went pandemic church shopping and, you know, settled into a place that for whatever reason, they liked the pastor, they liked the music, it fit their schedule or whatnot. And uh, so there's a whole other sort of level layers and layers of consumerism that now you're having to either invest in or fend off. Yeah, well, and and to a degree, that's not a bad thing. I mean, I, you know, I could bemoan that, but I think, um, you know, what virtual church lets you do is it lets you attend church virtually anywhere in the country yeah. uh, and any church you want. So you say, hey, I don't like the series that my church is doing. I'm jumping into whatever Andy Stanley's doing this week or whatever it is. And you can just say, that's my, that's my church now for the next few weeks. And then you don't like what he's doing next. You jump to somebody else. And, and so although it's not a horrible thing, I think it doesn't give you the rootedness if that's your only experience. Like mm-hmm. if it's in addition to, um, then you're just, you're, you're taking in more and that's probably positive. But, but when you say, I don't like this series or I don't like this anymore, um, there's something in that that, again, just is very consumeristic in the way that it's that it's driving yeah. us to experience things. But if somebody, you know, honestly, um, through virtual church decides that another church is is a better fit for them, what I always say to people at Orchard Hill when they tell me that maybe they're going to try to find a different church or have found a different church is I say, you know, I want you to be where you're going to thrive. And if that's somewhere besides Orchard Hill, then I'm for you completely in that. And no, we'd love to have you back. And I say the same thing when people come to Orchard Hill from other churches. And that is, you know, I, I don't want to take you from another church, but if you're going to thrive more here, then then we, you know, welcome mm-hmm. you and, and hope that this is a place where you will thrive and put down roots. And I think that's very different than than the perpetual kind of church hopper um, when somebody says, hey, I, I need something different right now. Kurt, let's talk about, um, you know, at the risk of being a little too inside poker here, I want to talk about church staffs a little bit. Um, I've been on church, uh, the staff of a church for a long, long time, and this has been a, a particularly challenging season because people have so many opinions and so many needs and so many preferences about how church should be done. And um, so, you know, on behalf of, you know, all the pastors out there, give us a little window into the kind of, <laughs> into the kind of things that you've been trying to like wade through about, you know, a hundred hours a week since March 1st. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think I've said this publicly before, so maybe I shouldn't say it, but oh, I know I, I want you to do um, it here for sure. The, um, what I've said privately to a few people is I feel like there's more blood in the water than there mm-hmm. has ever been for church. And what I mean by that is uh, there are more strong opinions about how things should be done and what should be happening right now than I've ever experienced. And it's, you know, from mask required, mask optional, I won't come to church if you don't have a mask, um, or if I have to wear a mask, you know, all of those kinds of things, to the issues that are going on in our nation in terms of race and politics and and just the, and I, and I think, again, taking people out of the context of weekly meeting and worshiping into screens uh, has added to that. And so there is, 
uh, no doubt that right now there is no way for any single church to please everybody who attends that church with whatever you're offering, because uh, whatever you do, there will be a legitimate good opinion on why you should do it differently. Yeah. And and so how have you, uh, how do you stay sane? I, mean, I was going to try to come up with a better way to say it, but I think I'm just going to come out with it. I mean, how are you still in your position and still, you know, wanting to show up every day? <laughs> um, well, you know, we're fortunate. Um, the people that are here at Orchard Hill are generally so gracious and kind that mm-hmm. they understand that not uh, every need can be met. And so we've just tried to say we're going to do the best we can to offer variety. And because we're a little bigger, we can offer more variety. Um, and so that's been been helpful, I think, uh, than maybe a church that can't offer as much variety. Um, and then, uh, you know, I think just really practically just saying, ultimately, you have to keep coming back and saying, I don't do this for what people say. You do it for God yeah. and and his applause at the end of the day, not that he applauds, applauds me, but saying it's his approval that I seek, not the approval of people. And and sometimes you have to say, I get before God and say, I'm doing the best I can with what's in front of me. And it's not going to make everyone happy. And that's okay if that's the outcome. And so, um, and if you don't live there, then you're probably over-prioritizing what a handful of people or yeah, a lot of you- people might want. Sure, you're absolutely right. Don't you? Though, doesn't your heart go out, Kurt, to to these small church pastors who are just trying to, you know, who are, who are, you know, basically fulfilling five different jobs, you know, trying to deal with a lot of those same issues you brought up, but with you know, incredibly small staff, or maybe they're the only staff. I mean, I just, I don't know. My fear for pastors in in America and, of course, around the world is just that the the challenge is so great and the energy output is so great. Now, I just, I hope that we don't lose pastors when this whole thing is over. Yeah, no, that's a good observation. And it's, um, yeah, I think if if you're in a church, um, chances are your pastor has worked harder, not less, during this yeah. pandemic. Um, I mean, I had people say, you know, how how how's your break been, you know, with this? It's what? like, yeah, actually, I think I've worked harder. Um <laughs> When this whole thing started, than I did uh, before. There's differences, you know. I'm not going to the hospital or some things like that, but um, but in terms of just sheer um, amount of things to deal with, it's actually been higher. And you're absolutely right. I think anybody who's who attends a church, uh, any support or positive words you could give to your pastor probably would mean a lot. That's very good. Well, the bottom line is, whether it's in person or on video, uh, make sure you attend church this Sunday, right? It's so much easier now, especially because of technology, but even better to be in person, face-to-face, shoulder-to-shoulder. Kurt Bjorklund, Senior Pastor at Orchard Hill Church. Kurt, always a pleasure. Thanks for being with us here today. Thanks. Have a great afternoon. The following is a public notice for people suffering with fibromyalgia symptoms. Researchers from the University of Illinois College of Medicine have developed the first definitive blood test for the biomarkers of fibromyalgia. Those who test positive may qualify for an FDA-approved clinical trial of a breakthrough symptom-eliminating treatment. Previously, a fibromyalgia diagnosis could not be confirmed. Now, participants can have definitive confirmation of this debilitating disease. The test is covered by nearly all insurance plans, and FM Test can even arrange to have your blood test done by a licensed medical professional in the comfort and security of your own home. 
If you suffer from chronic fatigue, mental fogginess, or chronic pain, it may be fibromyalgia. Take this opportunity to get the first and only definitive test. If you test positive, you could be among the first to receive a breakthrough treatment formulated to eliminate all fibromyalgia symptoms. Space is limited, so go now to myfmtest.com. That's myfmtest.com. Myfmtest.com. If you're an employer, a business owner, if you have 5 to 100 employees, listen up. The cost of doing business continues to skyrocket, strangling your HR department with more regulations, administrative duties, and liability than ever. I'm Kathy Emmons. Your health plan's a big part of that cost. Another year, another 10% rate hike, another $1,000 increase on your deductible, another hospital or doctor you can't go to because they're not in network. Isn't it time for a change? Stop the insanity. Call Marley Financial, the most innovative agency in the industry. Put an end to the annual increase. Give your employees a national network that all hospitals accept and reduce your monthly premiums by 20 to 30 percent. It doesn't matter when your renewal is. Marley can help today. Call 724-884-1496. Marley Financial, 724-884-1496. Or go to MarleyFG.com. Let's say you've decided to build a bicycle from scratch. Sounds like an impossible project for my skills. But let's say you've got the skills and you're building this bike. And I offer you an advantage. A special tool that would help you build the bike faster while saving you legitimate money. My guess is you'd say, bring it on. If you wouldn't, well, then this commercial isn't going to make much sense. My name is Ryan. I'm from United Faith Mortgage, and we believe we have an advantageous tool for you. Our mortgage team is lucky to have a direct lender advantage. Our company is set up to use its own money and make its own lending decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. And often, this advantage allows us to get your refinance or new home loan done faster and get you a better rate which saves you monthly and lifelong money. Rates are historically low. Now is the time to see how our special tool might work for you. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. I read a story about a young woman who is taking the bar exam. Now, you can take the bar exam because of pandemic you can do this from the comfort of your home and there's a camera that's in front of you and you cannot leave the field of focus of this camera because that controls what they consider cheating right so a woman's taking this exam october 5th she's um pregnant Mm -hmm. and she's two weeks from her due date so she's like i'll be okay so she's taking the exam all of a sudden towards the end of uh the first portion of the exam what she thinks is her water breaking is in fact her water breaking. So she's like, uh, okay, maybe that is really the reality of what just happened. I'm just going to stay here and finish the exam day one. She did. She got up, she called her people, her doctor and the staff. And they were like, okay, you, you better come in. So she came into the hospital. She gave birth the next day. And then six hours after she gave birth, she did part two of the bar exam. Stop it. While she took a 30-minute break on day two, she breastfed her new baby. Okay, now you're just showing off. Continued on, and she passed the exam. 
Now, as crazy as that story is, it raises a lot of questions about the bar exam, people with disabilities, people who have all sorts of whatever maladies, Mm -hmm. and how fair or unfair the bar exam is in the COVID era. It's fascinating, isn't it? Wow. Okay, that's a lot of roles to fill Mm -hmm. in a 36-hour period. That surely is. I want you to know that when my water broke, I was just all about one thing. Yeah, let's have the baby. Think, yeah, I just really wanted to have the baby. I wasn't mm. really concerned about the other like ancillary parts of my life. Mm. She's thinking about the next question on right. the bar exam. She and I have nothing in common. One hundred one point five WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying "Play the Word Pittsburgh" and on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and at Radio.com. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett says an article she wrote criticizing Chief Justice John Roberts' 2012 opinion, Saving the Affordable Care Act, does not reflect any hostility toward the law. Barrett was answering questions from Democratic Senator Chris Coons of Delaware, who brought up the article she wrote in 2017 before she became a judge. Day two of the Supreme Court hearings are continuing. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says that he's scheduling a procedural vote on a GOP COVID-19 relief bill for next week. He says aid to hard-hit businesses shouldn't be held up by gridlock involving other aid proposals. The Senate will take a test vote on October 19th. Stocks ending lower as Wall Street takes a pause after a four-day winning streak. The Dow gave up 157 points. The Nasdaq was down a dozen. This is SRN News. My name is Bernadette, and I am a parishioner at St. Joseph's on the Brandywine. Joe Biden has been part of our parish for more than 40 years. Our sons became friends when they were in first grade, and ever since, I've known Joe and the entire Biden family. Even now, when Joe's back home, we see him at Mass on Sunday. You can tell how important Joe's faith is to him. It's what motivates everything. Joe's beliefs, his values, the kind of president Joe would be. Joe Biden knows what it means to be your brother's keeper, to care for those around you and lift up those who are suffering. Their values Joe learned from his mom and dad and from the nuns who taught Joe his Catholic faith. That's Joe Biden, a man guided by faith. I'm Joe Biden. Candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Biden for president. I'm United States Surgeon General Jerome Adams, America's doctor. And all across our nation, we've taken steps together to slow the spread of coronavirus. Now we must continue to take personal responsibility to protect ourselves and our loved ones. Because even though not all of us risk a severe case of coronavirus, we all risk getting it and spreading it to others, maybe without even realizing that we're sick. So if we want to get back to school, back to work, back to worship, and back to overall health, there are things our country needs to do. We need to follow state and local guidelines, take extra precautions if at higher risk, wash our hands frequently, stay six feet from others when we can, and when we can't stay six feet from others, please, I'm begging you, wear a face covering. These small actions will make a big difference. So I'm asking you to say it with me, America. Coronavirus stops with me. You can learn more at coronavirus.gov. Produced by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services at taxpayer expense. Hey, I'm Andy. 
I'm still not famous, but you might remember that I started Harry's because I was tired of overpaying for razors. It always felt like big brands were taking advantage of us. Every time they improved something back then, prices seemed to go up. At Harry's, we take a different approach. Today, I'm proud to introduce our sharpest blades ever, available at the same price as before, as low as $2 each. They're a new, sharper version of our German-engineered blades. Guys who shave four days a week have told us that with our new blades, their eighth shave is as smooth as their first. And we stand by that, with a 100% money-back quality guarantee at harrys.com. Millions have already made the switch to Harry's, and we hope you will too with this special offer. Get a Harry's starter set featuring our new, sharper blade, a weighted razor handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com code 3388. Tonight, we'll see clear to partly cloudy skies. Expect a low tonight of 45. Tomorrow will be mostly sunny. Tomorrow will reach a high of 67. Tomorrow night, mainly clear skies, low 55. Thursday will be breezy with some sunshine giving way to clouds and a high of 73. Weatherproof your next adventure with AccuWeather. Download the newly redesigned app today. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Welcome in. John Hall and Kathy Emmons with you today on The Ride Home. Happy you are along. Um, Both John and I have kids. New Mike has a child as well. But the difference between New Mike's child and mine and John's child, children, is that there has to come a time when you cut them off in some way and in a different genre. So Dr. J, Mike, is four. Correct. It's kind of hard to say to him, Dr. J. Think or swim, my friend. Yeah. As of, as of January 1, you're on your own with X. You're on your own, buddy. Right. I have fully, full confidence in you at four years old. It's just, yeah. It seems it. like that might be asking a lot. However... You know, I have children who are 22 and 18. Mm-hmm. John, your kids are how old? Uh, 20 and 22. Okay. So we are kind of, you know, trying to figure out, so what do we, how do we do this? Like, right. and it's not just about what you can pay for, because part of parenting is, you know, helping your offspring to figure out how to be responsible on their own. Right. I don't know. I find these questions really challenging. Yeah. Okay. So the Wall Street Journal, of course, they are the money people. Uh, they tackled this question and, you know, like you say, Kath, your kids get a little older. So, you know, you may be paying for your kids cell phone, uh, maybe a right. subscription to this or a subscription to that. Uh, maybe you're even paying for your kids car insurance. So the wall street journal asked a group of experts about how to treat their kids in their late teens and their early twenties, what things they should cut off, which things that they should can continue on in this unprecedented time that we're living in. Okay. So the most common thing people are talking about are the aforementioned cell phone bills, car insurance, Netflix type things, subscriptions, Uh, right? right? So if you don't have unlimited expenses, those add up, right? Sometimes 200, 300, $400 or more. So the first thing that they would say is, is your child 
gainfully employed? Is your child making an effort to generate some form of income for themselves? Now, of course, you have to decide if it's suitable at this stage in their life or feasible for them to do that. Right. Right. So Dr. J, no, he'd be young to get a job. I'll be honest. Right. Right. Okay. So um, I've got a kid who's 20. Uh, of course, with COVID, he, he decided not to go to school this year. He is gainfully employed. I mean, he is, he's got an income stream going. Now I got a kid who's in college right now, but he worked all summer long. So mm-hmm. he saved that money and the, you know, the meager things that he needs while he's in college, he's pretty much taking care of himself. Although, you know, we're happy to send care packages and whatnot. So I got no problem with that. Right. Someone just sort of, you know, try to making their own way. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is whenever, you know, you get a kid who's not motivated and just kind of expects you to pick up the gap, then what do you do with that kid? That creates the tension. Right. And and it's hard to know when kids are in that spot in COVID-19. That's the problem, right? right. Is that like in in normal life, if your child, your younger child decided not to go to school, you'd be like, well, look, pal, that's on you because I think you should be in school and you're not in school. And so you better start doing something. Except now you have a lot of sympathy for him because the reason he's not in school is because you don't want to pay $30,000 to sit in your dorm room and learn thermodynamics. Exactly. So one of the things they talk about is, you know, early on in your child's financial education, get your kid, the kid's own debit card and don't have overdraft protection. Mm -hmm. Right. So that way, when the money's there, hopefully you know you're taking control of your finances. And when the money's not there, all of a sudden you're pinged. And, of course, you know, there's always that big hefty fee if you overdraft. I don't know what that is, but it's going to hurt someone who's working on limited resources. Mm-hmm. All right. Let me ask you this. Yeah. When you guys were finishing college, mm-hmm. were you financially independent from your parents or not? Mike, I'll uh-huh. start with you. Um. A little bit of both. No, no, they they took care of me. Um, okay. However, my junior and senior year, I did get a job to pay for uh, to pay for books. Got it. Yeah, John. I was a hundred percent my own man. Uh, you know, I think I talked about it. once we left the house, we really didn't look back. You know, I remember this. I remember when I graduated <laughs> when I graduated from college. I was really excited. You know, you know, what my parents gave me a black and white television set. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? And the heartbreak was I had to sort of like act pleased because like, you know, I knew that because they were totally clueless. You know, this was like, you know, in the late 70s, who's watching a black and white television set? And I had to go, hey, thanks, you guys. You know, they were clueless. They had no idea what was going on in my life. I took care of myself once I left the house. God bless them. Seriously. Okay, Mike, when you graduated from college, did you get a present? Um. <laughs> No, I did not get a present. I got no. okay. I got a. Uh, I got a. So talking at least I got. To. Some, I got you a got talking what? to. I got a talking to, and that was. You graduated. Where are you going to go now? Where are oh, you going to live? Geez. What are you going to do? No, no celebration. No, like let's oh, go out I mean, to dinner. Yeah, absolutely. There was a celebration. There was a celebration, but after the fact it was like but hey, the man. talking to okay. happened yeah. after the celebration. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. What? Yeah. What about you, Cal? What'd mm-hmm. you get? Well, I don't. I mean. Uh Oh, I think I got a camera. Oh, oh, that. Yeah, yeah. I did. I got a camera. I'll, Which I, you I gave thought, to me. I thought, 
Yeah, I did. Actually. No, 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 no. That's a different one. That was okay. a way different one. No, no, no. I am pretty sure I got a camera. I was thinking I didn't get anything, but I do remember opening a camera. So yeah. And, but here's the thing that was weird for me is that I got married um, pretty shortly after, uh, well, no, I guess there was a, I guess there was a year and a half in there between when I graduated from college and I got married. Yeah. So I was only like on my own as a person sure. wow. for o- only like 18 months until, mm. you know, my husband and I joined forces and decided to try not to yeah. expire. <laughs> Harmony one. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's an interesting question, right? How do you treat your kids? I mean, you know, I, for us growing up, it was a rare and wonderful thing for us to go in, go to a restaurant. We never did that. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there were too many of us. So us, for you know, for the four of us, it's a common thing. I mean, even in the midst of a pandemic, you know, you know what do you guys want to eat? Blah, 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 blah. And, you know, we still are appreciative of it, but different times, different attitudes. Yeah, and I think that's fine. I mean, yeah, you me can't too. say, oh, you know, when I was growing nah, when up, I was we never. Kid. And so you're never, you know, I'm not no, going to live that, that way. I mean, that's crazy. No, because I want to go out. Right, exactly. I mean, I'm, listen, I went out for dinner last night. Did you? I, to a real restaurant? My, yes, it was, it was a special thrill. Now, here's the only problem is we went out. We had a great dinner, but we sat outside because mm. we're trying to be safe. Oh, you're good to go. And we were cold. <laughs> okay we were cold did you order something hot and spicy yeah i did yeah we were eating thai food mm, that's so good. but it was some it was a strange situation because the hotter that my food was it seemed to accentuate the cold in the rest of me <laughs> covid dining yeah. whole other layer of complexity so that's next time if we go out we decided we're gonna like bring blankets and wear hats that makes sense yeah All right, let's take a break. When we come back, Tim Keller is going to join us with his wife, Kathy Keller. She is uh, famously a a person who lived and grew up here in the city of Pittsburgh. Of course, she's left that long behind. But we're checking in on Tim Keller's health. That's next. 101.5 WORD. This week on Insight for Living with Chuck Swindoll. There was a period of time that lasted for centuries when Jew and Gentile were separated by a great creek where racism ran deep. But there came a moment in time where Christ built a bridge. Chuck Swindoll presents a study in Ephesians called Becoming a People of Grace. Weekdays on Insight for Living. Tomorrow morning at 8 on 101.5 WORD. Look, it's a great question. And maybe you know the typical family saves $500 a month switching to MediShare. But does it work? That's what Catherine was wondering when her family of five made the switch. And then she was diagnosed with an advanced cancer. Just the surgeon's bill was 100000 The first call that I made to MediShare, I was prayed with and prayed for, and there were just no problems at all. I mean, we just have not had any problems. So her need was met. And MediShare is a community of Christians who've now shared more than $4 billion of each other's health care bills. So many people are joining now wondering, why didn't we do this sooner? Catherine says her family has saved so much over the years. The savings have been thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. So yes, it works. Find out how much you can save. It's easy. You can call now and get a price within two minutes. Here's the number, 844-45-BIBLE. That's 844-45-BIBLE. 844-45-BIBLE. I'm United States Surgeon General Jerome Adams, America's doctor. And all across our nation, we've taken steps together to slow the spread of coronavirus. Now we must continue to take personal responsibility 
to protect ourselves and our loved ones. Because even though not all of us risk a severe case of coronavirus, we all risk getting it and spreading it to others, maybe without even realizing that we're sick. So if we want to get back to school, back to work, back to worship, and back to overall health, there are things our country needs to do. We need to follow state and local guidelines, take extra precautions if at higher risk, wash our hands frequently, stay six feet from others when we can, and when we can't stay six feet from others, please, I'm begging you, wear a face covering. These small actions will make a big difference. So I'm asking you to say it with me, America. Coronavirus stops with me. You can learn more at coronavirus.gov. Produced by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services at taxpayer expense. At Eden Christian Academy, hope is rising. Hope that is secure in God, that builds faith, and inspires a love that can't be stopped. Eden is where parents find hope in a true educational partner, where students see faith woven into every subject, and where teachers model the love of Christ to every child from pre-K through 12th grade. Tour any of their three North Hills campuses during Admissions Week, October 19th through 23rd, and witness the hope, faith, and love that Eden can offer your child at EdenChristianAcademy.org. Tim and Kathy Keller are back with us. Tim Keller is the founding pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York, New York. He started that with his wife, Kathy, and three young sons in 1989. For 28 years, Tim Keller led a diverse congregation of young professionals that grew to a weekly attendance of over 5,000. Dr. Keller is a, a number of New York Times bestselling books, as well as his wife, Kathy. And uh, Tim and Kath, welcome back to the show. Always happy to have you with us. Why, thank you, and happy Bill Mazeroski Day to you. Yay! <laughs> Hard to believe God, it's been 60 years. God bless I you. I was forever. 10 years old, and I saw it on television. I came home from school, and my mom was watching the game, and there he did it. This clear oh, I love things. it. Oh, Kathy, that's Field. awesome. Now, you know that there are a group of Yinzers that are clustered around that wall right outside, you know, on Pitt's campus. Are there really? Oh, yeah. Right oh, yeah. now, you mean today, celebrating? <laughs> oh, yeah, that was it. You know, I think it was 338 when he hit the home run. So they're all clustered around there and they're like oh. eating pierogies. And they played the original and... broadcast of the game and they just follow <laughs> along in, in inning by inning. And then surprise, surprise, Bill Mazeroski hits the home run and a bunch of these, you know, crazy Yinzer guys, they erupt with cheers. It's and really they fun. drink Iron City. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only in Pittsburgh. Look at look at Tim's laughing. Tim, look at how generous we are, how we've grafted you into our group. <laughs> yes, even though I was, I, I grew up in Allentown, which means I was a, actually a Phillies fan, but oh. I did hear, I heard, on the, I was walking home from school, you know, three o'clock you get out and you know, I walked yes. home from school and I heard on my little transistor radio, I was listening to the World Series back when, cool. when they were on the afternoon, they didn't do evening, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, all, the, all the, the games were in the afternoon and I heard it and I remember thinking, that's great because this is still Pennsylvania, right? So anyway, I I identified, even though we were from the other, the non-mountainous part. That could be that could be the last time anyone from either of our cities pulled for the opposite. Yeah, I don't. You know, back then, I don't. I didn't feel like the Eagles and the Steelers and the Phillies and the Pirates were big rivals when I was growing up. They were. They felt like. they kind of felt like cousins, sort of. I didn't feel like it was a rivalry the way they're – maybe it's grown up as time Well, I think, I think when it became the Pens and the Flyers, it got ugly. Mm-hmm. True. No, that's totally right. That's mm-hmm. totally right. That's just well, what hockey does to the soul. Yeah, well, I'm not sure that hockey is to blame for everything we're seeing right now with everybody breaking down into their small tribes and 
supporting I support this therefore I must have to hate you because you support well, that listen listen Kathy if it were as easy as it being hockey then we'd be in good shape yeah. right but it's it's much more complex <laughs> well look what they okay. do in hockey with uh, beating each other over the head with the sticks I'm well whatever glad. they do they whatever they do Kathy they shake hands at the end and it makes it all That's better right that is absolutely right what, I went to when, an awful lot of little league games when I started uh dating Kathy uh, one of the things I did know, and I know Kathy's family was maybe even a little more than most. I mean, Kathy's family was all about Pittsburgh sports, so there was always something on. You know, there was always a there was always a hockey on or Fillers. or football, right? But it did feel to me that when I got when I started visiting Kathy in Pittsburgh, I said, you know, we have Philadelphia; they have their fans, but Pittsburgh does feel more built around their teams. Mm-hmm. It's like the culture and the and the, uh, the the sense of oneness is built more. There, there is more identification with the team. So I just noticed it right off the bat, yeah. in spite of the fact I was, that uh, I was the black no. sheep of the family, I, except for Bill Mazeroski and Lily Starzo, Roberto Clemente, those guys, the greats. Um, I didn't really follow sports. I really didn't. Well, uh, listen, but, you know, can I tell great. this story on you, dear Kathy? Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. You know how you know how on on New Year's Day, there's a there's a basically a football game on. All day, you know, because you sure. go from one bowl game to oh, the other. Kathy was, I think Kat, Kathy was true. into her 20s. Now, listen, dear heart, Kathy, come on, okay. let me tell you story. Tell. I don't mind. I, she was probably in her 20s before she realized that was not one football game, that it was a series <laughs> because of Because on black games. and white TV, there were always the light shirts <laughs> right. playing the dark shirts. I remember and one I day she told me that well, football the games take all day. Midnight. I said, no, they don't take all day. That's four different bowl games. And she said, oh. <laughs> those, those poor men would be exhausted, wouldn't they? <laughs> I was not paying close attention, as you might guess. Right, not. right. I mean, the world's totally different in black and white. And, you know, of course, you know, we're of a certain age that we can remember black and white. So God bless us for surviving through black and white and into color. Mm. Oh, gosh. Okay, so tell us, where did you guys meet? Well, actually, we just had our 50th anniversary, not our wedding anniversary, but our 50th anniversary of meeting. Um, I went to Allegheny College, and my sister went to Bucknell. We all kept it in state. And Allegheny started much later than Bucknell, so I was helping my mother bring some things up to my sister that she had discovered she needed in order to get through her freshman year. And she was, my sister Sue was a Christian as well, and she was already involved in Young Life and InterVarsity, and they had a house that someone had rented that was sort of the the focus of the leadership and the meetings and whatnot. So Sue took us over to the leadership house, the Young Life Leadership House. And there was this tall, skinny guy studying his Greek, and Sue said, this is Tim Keller. And I said, hi. And he said, hi. And that was the end of that. But um, we got to know, to know each other sort of um, with my sister acting like, um, I don't know, like um, a go-between. She would come home and she'd say, Tim Keller is reading Oh Halsey's book on prayer, and I'd say, "Huh," and I'd go pick up Oh Halsey's book on prayer, and then she'd go back and say, "My sister's thinking about going to Gordon Conwell Seminary," and Tim would say, "Huh, maybe I'll look into that." So, without really knowing each other, he was just one of my sister's tall friends, and it wasn't until we were both at Gordon Conwell that we got to know each other as friends. Until then, it was really. Um, a nod across the room. We both went out to the Ligonier Valley Study Center when R.C. Sproul was out there. 
everybody would introduce themselves, and he'd be with his group, I'd be with my group, and we'd just sort of nod at each other. That was about it. But that was 50 years ago. That's wow. our 50th wow. anniversary. Congratulations. Okay, wow. so then who made the first move? I mean, you both sounded either, either preoccupied or just reluctant. Well, he got to the seminary and was sort of semi-engaged, and I was really very relieved to be able to have a friend that was otherwise um, taken because I had just been through a couple of disastrous, unrequited relationships, Mm. and I didn't want to have anything that I could get entangled in. But that relationship ended, and our friendship had gotten very strong, and I found myself in the same situation all over again. And I'll tell you my one pearl of wisdom. Tim told a story on me. I'll tell one on myself. Oh, good. After his relationship ended um, with this other girl who um, decided she didn't want to be married to a minister, and we were very close friends and, you know, obviously able to think each other's thoughts, and uh, it was just so clear to me that we were meant for each other. Um I thought I would be promoted from first friend to girlfriend, sort of like Nick, and it didn't happen, and it didn't happen, and it didn't happen. And finally, right before um, winter break one year, I said to Tim, look, um, I know you're not doing this intentionally, but this happens to it in a lot of Christian friend relationships that the guy gets all he needs as far as um, affirmation without any commitment. Meanwhile, the girl's sitting there waiting, okay, when's the commitment happening? I said, you know, every day I wait for you to make a move romantically, and every day that you don't, I feel like I've been weighed and found wanting, that you've evaluated me and decided, nah. I said, now maybe you're not thinking that way, you know, maybe, but that's how I experience it. And the Bible tells us, now you're going to laugh, not to throw pearls before swine. And I'm not a pearl, and you're not a pig. But the point is that the, the pig couldn't appreciate the pearl, you know. And if you can't see who I am and appreciate me, then I oh. just can't keep doing this thing emotionally available. Listen out, are you, is anybody out there listening, ladies? I can't keep being emotionally available just in case you one day decide, like, huh, maybe I, I'll give her, you know, a thought. So that was... That, that was the end of the friendship. That was everything. The only problem was we had done all the legwork and gotten all the necessary permissions to go down to Westminster Seminary for the January term and take a course with Jay Adams on counseling. And we were going to be driving down there and driving over to class Mm -hmm. and eating dinner every night and staying at the same house where I had stayed in the summer when I worked for Philadelphia Presbytery. So after having declared our relationship at an end, we more or less had to live in very close quarters for a month. And during Christmas break, Tim had, well, Tim, you should take it. You had a chance to think over. Tim? Tim? Are you there? Yep. I don't know. Tim? Pick Pick up the story, my friend. Yeah, I don't know where he is. The most most disingenuous thing she ever said to me was, I'm not saying you're a pig and I'm a pearl. But then she says, then the next minute, the next minute she says, but just like a pearl can't, a pig can't appreciate a pearl, I don't think you appreciate me. I said, wait a minute. You said I wasn't the pig in the story. Then you said I was the pig in the story. Actually, I was actually somewhat. um, 
offended at the moment. But I just felt basically what Kathy's, you know, you can imagine. Basically what happened was that we'd gotten very close as friends because it was safe. Technically, we would talk about our problems with each other. But since I was semi-engaged this other girl, we could kind of do this. The minute that relationship ended, there was really no good reason to not uh, get romantically involved. Unless, but I didn't unless you know you either had to do that or you had to pull out. Mm-hmm. You couldn't maintain that kind of relationship. Right. And I didn't want to pull out, but at the same time, I was scared, like like most guys my age. And so, anyway, that's what happened. But then eventually... Well, who I, made the first I move, came, though, was the question, dear. Uh, oh, me, probably. I mean, yeah, you, you, you were the one you who did. challenged me, but I was the one that made the move, yes. Yeah, you did. All right, good. Now, let let me just say that, you know, when you look back, Tim, at Kathy, aren't you proud of her? For like, she's so healthy. (laughs) Oh my goodness! You mean for saying I'm not going to go through with this anymore? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, seriously, I mean that. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm laughing as I'm saying it, but I really mean it. There are so few young women who are brave enough and strong enough to say, you know what? Either you want me or you don't. And if you don't, see ya. Yeah, and by the way, well, that's why now I we're talking about 1973, story, really. too. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I tell that story. It's not because I want to, you know, highlight the interesting adventures of Tim and Kathy Keller, but because there are a lot of young women who are being used in terminology, yes. I think Tim might have invented, as cheap girlfriends. They, mm-hmm. you know, they're there when you feel like talking to somebody, going out for a pizza, going to a movie, but you don't have to make any commitment. You don't have to, you know, have any messy emotional entanglements so you're a cheap girlfriend and right, right. that's not the way it's supposed to be nope tim and kathy keller with us hey tim um we've been following along we of course we know that you've been ill with cancer can you give us an update and tell us where you are in your journey well you know in a way because you um you're just a little early we're going to get another scan in a couple of weeks um okay. then i'll know um so we're um I, I get chemotherapy, as everybody in the world knows, including those who've had it. That's rough. Yeah. On the other hand, um, there have been the, the very first um, the first evaluation was that it is working on the cancer, but that it's it's we have a long way to go. So we have, uh, as Kathy reminds me, in New York City and Pittsburgh is another medical center. If you live in one of these medical centers, like you know these world class medical centers. And you're sick. There's a there is a tendency, even as a Christian, to say, um, "I'm doing okay because I've got the very best mm-hmm. care in the world." The reality, of course, is in the very best medical centers, somebody could die overnight, or you could be cured, and it really is in God's hands. And you, and even though I'm you, you you do of course try to get the best care. That's just being a good steward of your body. Nevertheless, we are, Kathy always reminds of me never to say, "Oh, you know, you've got one of the." three greatest pancreatic cancer specialists in the world working. Nope, that's not where your hope is. You know, we don't trust in chariots and horses, but in the Lord of hosts. So um, we, we actually are, um, we weep a lot, most probably every day, but we also are enjoying our lives in many ways because this pushes you toward God and you realize, oh, you spent all your life telling people that God is available in prayer. And then you know what? You get too busy to actually go do it. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like I spent my whole life, we spent our whole lives um, telling people 
about that and saying, look, open this great treasure chest. It's possible to actually commune with God. He's not high and remote and that sort of thing. You can actually know him. You can actually experience him. And then we're so busy, or maybe we're too proud or um, or actually too self-sufficient to actually open that box. So in some ways, we have opened the box, and in many ways, it's the best of times, worst of times. Uh, but actually, when where we actually are on the cancer, uh, I'll know better in a couple of weeks, but Maybe we can talk again sometime in the future. So. Yeah, yes. we'd love that. Um, Tim, this is a, and Kathy, this is a big question, but, you know, we spent the first half of our time together talking about how you met and how you decided to date and all those sorts of things. And now you fast forward 50 years and you guys are going through a major life challenge. I mean, every day that you guys spent together uh, creates a, a different kind of relationship that either can withstand a challenge like this or not. So can you weigh in on that? I mean, how has, how have all the time and ministry hours and family hours that you guys have spent together made you uh, the kind of couple that's able to do what you've been doing? I'm not sure anybody is ready for something like this. I mean, it comes at you unexpectedly and like a ton of bricks. Although at the age of 70, I do have to say, if you're not numbering your days, um, you're kind of being foolish because there are fewer ahead than there are behind. So it was, I think it was one of God's mercies. You've heard of um, the book, A Severe Mercy, Sheldon oh, yeah. often. Yeah, I think this is in that category of a severe mercy, that nobody's prepared for God to be merciful to you in such a thunderous way. Um, you know, we want God to be merciful to us by keeping everything rosy and comfortable and and doing everything to make our lives safe and secure. But that would really be the unkindest thing God could actually do to you is because then you just are confirmed in all of your prejudices. You're, um, you are occupied with all of your little hobbies and your... Um, your life the way having it you the way you want it and when god upends all of that then that's when you say wait a minute wait a minute either this stuff i've believed and talked about is true or else it's not so i don't know that we had i don't know that there is any preparation for um having a cataclysm happen a lady in my lady's bible study um her grandson um, the youngest of five was they were packing up from a day at the beach and out of a clear blue sky, a bolt of lightning hit him and killed him, five years old. Oh now, gosh. how do you prepare for that? You don't. You can't. There's no way. You can only say the God that I have believed in is either there or else he's not. Now, I am going to call on him and call on him and call on him. Um, and... He's he shows himself willing to be found to the brokenhearted, and when you're brokenhearted, you go to him. Now, I'm not saying that everything that God. Uh, let me back up. I have a real fear of emotional self-delusion. I was involved in some um, Christian groups whenever I was younger. I won't name them because they were in Pittsburgh. That. Um, there was a lot of high emotion, and I convinced myself on many occasions that God was speaking to me or guiding to me, and it was really more imaginary than it was um, from Scripture or from uh, anything that God was really sending. So 
My prayer to God has been, God, please show up in such an unmistakable way that it can't be anybody but you. It's not my my wishes, my desires, my imagination, my feelings. I'm I'm just not going to be satisfied with anything except you being so you that you can't be mistaken for anything that I could create mentally or hmm. emotionally. So that's... I don't think you, I, I'm, I'm just questioning whether anybody, no matter what their life experience, is ready for um, having something really life-threatening or tragic or difficult, this difficult, come into their life. You, um, you work out at the gym and then suddenly you're asked to um, pick up an elephant and you think, well, that working out in the gym didn't really prepare me for this, did it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Tim, what do you say? Well, I, the only way to prepare, I mean, I do think that you, Kathy and I, because we got we had good teachers and mentors, were given the basic um, framework for what you do when terrible things happen. And um, and we saw people walk through them, and actually at a lower, you might say, a, a lower level of, I mean smaller troubles, we walk through them too. So in that sense, I think Kathy uh, is right that in, in one way, nothing prepares you, but in other ways, we were. It's it's partly right. I mean, <clears throat> for example, um, there's a John Newton hymn. I'll just, I, I know it by heart. And uh, it, it gives you a perfect example, especially the last two lines. And when you've been living with something like this for many years, and then suddenly you get into a position where you have to use it, it does help that you've been thinking about it for a while. It's a, it's not a hymn that's been, I think, put to much music, but it's actually, a, uh, we sang it in our ladies Bible study. They sang yeah. it a very, very well. Well, it's hymn, <clears throat> the second last chapter in knowing God by Jerry Packer. Mm-hmm. He ends with this hymn. It goes, um, and I know it by heart. He says, I asked the Lord that I might grow in faith and love and every grace might more of his salvation know and seek more earnestly his face. I hope that in some favorite hour at once he'd answer my request and by his love's constraining power, subdue my sins and give me rest. Instead of this, he made me feel the hidden evils of my heart and let the angry powers of hell assault my soul in every part. Yea, more with his own hand he seemed intent to aggravate my woe, crossed all the fair designs I schemed, blasted my gourds and laid me low. Lord, why is this, I trembling cried? Will thou pursue thy worm to death? Tis in this way, the Lord replied, I answer prayers for grace and faith. These inward trials I employ from self and pride to set thee free and break thy schemes of earthly joy that thou mayst find thine all in me. Now, breaking thy schemes of earthly joy that thou mayst find that all in me is exactly what God's doing right now to us in a way he's never done before. And interestingly, what, the reason I could re- recite that by heart is because I preached on it so often. Hmm. And the fact that it's there, and a moment like this, I was able to draw on it. So I'm giving you the other side. I think Kathy's right. There's one sense in which nothing prepares you. You just have to go to God. There's another sense in which not so bad to have teaching Good yeah. teaching for many yeah. people over the yeah, years. Yeah, I've heard but, it said that that's true, especially like when you're raising a child and they're not showing any interest in the faith, but you've they've had uh, they've seen you, they've been taken to church, you've done a catechism with them or whatever, 
that it's like putting kindling in the fireplace and you're only waiting for that spark of the Holy Spirit, but you will have a much more of a roaring fire if you have been laying the kindling down for years than if you have a spark and the fireplace is empty or you've got a Dura flame or something like that. Right. Uh, <clears throat> Jim, Kath, we, we certainly appreciate your time here with us. We truly mean this. Our prayers are with you as you go through this difficult time. And uh, we're always just thrilled to have a peek at where you are. And uh, may the Holy Spirit be with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah love you both. Yeah, Terrific. Hey. Hi. Yeah, and we're and we're praying for you, Tim, you Tim, in every way, and that you would uh, transfer over, and your allegiance would be with every Pittsburgh sports team. <laughs> Let's go, Bucks. <laughs> Tim and Kathy Keller. To serve as a ruling elder is a high and holy office. RPTS now offers five flexible online courses to help you shepherd the Church of God. The Ruling Elders Program features courses on biblical counseling, interpretation, worship, the church, care and administration, plus preaching at elective options that best fit your ministry paradigm. No papers, no exams, just solid biblical teaching from experienced pastor professors. Individual and group rates available. RPTS, study under pastors. Learn more at rpts.edu. This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride home. Spending more time inside? J&D Waterproofing can help you breathe a little easier. Protect your family, friends, and pets from mold, dampness, and other unhealthy elements. For over 80 years, J&D has been making Pittsburgh basements very dry and improving indoor air quality with solutions like the Easy Breathe System, Eliminate unhealthy mold and allergy-causing moisture without filters or reservoirs while using less energy than a 40-watt light bulb. Call 1-800-VERY-DRY or visit jdwaterproofing.com. Still paying outrageous premiums for your health insurance? Or maybe you settled with a ministry plan, some short-term medical or limited benefit plan that lacks the coverage you need? This is Kathy Emmons for my friends at Marley Financial. Every agency offers the same stuff, well, except for Marley. Marley Financial now offers a unique ACA clone that looks, feels, and most importantly, acts just like a Blue Cross plan. In fact, it's even better. You can go to any hospital or facility anywhere in the country. They'll actually waive your deductible for inpatient and surgery. Does your plan do that? Plus, they can customize your plan to reduce your costs for the rest of your life. Contact Marley Financial today, 724-884-1496. You don't have to wait till open enrollment. 724-884-1496 or visit MarleyFG.com. Nobody does health insurance like Marley. 724-884-1496. If you thought cooking meant having to stay in the kitchen the entire time, think again. Because Lowe's has Samsung slide-in ranges with Wi-Fi that let you connect via your smartphone using the SmartThings app. Preheat and adjust cook times and temperatures on your oven, and even monitor your cooktop from anywhere. So you can spend time doing things like relaxing on your patio and keep an eye on dinner at the same time. Bring home innovation this fall with Lowe's. Preheat applies to electric models only. Available on Android and iOS devices. Wi-Fi connection and a Samsung account required. U.S. only. Listen on your smart speaker, the Word FM app at wordfm.com, iHeart, tune in, and on radio.com, in the car or at home too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh.
Tonight we'll see clear to partly cloudy skies. Expect a low tonight of 45. Tomorrow will be mostly sunny. Tomorrow will reach a high of 67. Tomorrow night, mainly clear skies, low 55. Thursday will be breezy with some sunshine giving way to clouds and a high of 73. Weatherproof your next adventure with AccuWeather. Download the newly redesigned app today. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Question of the ages. And the one we ask each other daily on the ride home does this makes sense. John, I turn to you today and I bring up raking leaves. Oh. Does this make sense? Well, yes and no. Now, if you live in, you know, suburbia mm-hmm. and everyone on your street is cookie cutter the same way, you're sort of pressured into applied to a standard of neatness. So if you're that lone person on the street who goes, eh, my lawn's okay, the leaves don't bother me, then you stand out like a sore thumb. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, those leaves, they blow away. They're right? blowing away, right, John? They're going to blow to your neighbor's house. So, I mean, how much raking do you really want to do? Yeah. The raking thing, I do the raking in front of my house. In the back of my house, I've got, you know, this other field there. I just let them go, the raking thing. Does that make sense? Okay. Listen, I'm on your side. Like it doesn't make sense. Yeah, like we sense. live on we live on the earth. Right. You know, if I rake them, they're going to go over to another part. Of the what the earth. heck? It's fine. Okay. I mean, it's all good. it's all biodegradable. You're just saving the earth, right? I feel like we could be done here, right? Yeah. Okay. Does this make sense? Remember the days when you had film in your camera and you would have like 24 or 36 photos, mm-hmm. and you know each image was very carefully considered because you didn't want to waste film. I took a picture of my kid the other day and I got it on some sort of, what are they, you know, the thing that just, I took like literally, no exaggeration, 124 photos <laughs> in about three seconds. Now, do I need, I love my boy, but yeah. do I need 124 right. photos from my phone? I don't think I do. Does that make sense? Okay. So I say, yes, it does. Why? I say, yes, it does make sense, oh. John. Okay, Because good. you need to take the technology that's offered to you. Yeah. And you need to make the most of it. So this is what you do, though. Before you go to bed on day one, Mm. you have to be, as my father used to say, merciless. You have to look through the 120 and you have to pick out the one one. that is the best. Right. I've done that. And, of course, it takes like three hours. That's the problem. Merciless. Merciless. All right. Does this make sense? Be Mm -hmm. back in a minute. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-494-2323. That's 800-494-2323. 800-494-2323. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. 
Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials or price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. This message is for anyone looking for $500,000 to $1 million or more of affordable term life insurance. Even if you have diabetes, high blood pressure, or taking anxiety meds. Here's an example. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe overweight with type 2 diabetes, $1 million of term life insurance may only cost about $200 a month. We're Term Provider, experts in finding affordable term life insurance for those that may not be in perfect health. If you've had prostate cancer, heart conditions, high cholesterol, or on prescription medications, you may still qualify for half a million to a million dollars or more of affordable term life insurance. Get a quick quote by calling Term Provider at 800-555-2085. 800-555-2085. If you're looking for term life insurance but have type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, or have other health issues, call Term Provider at 800-555-2085 or visit termprovider.com termprovider.com seasons of change and uncertainty can be difficult even scary but they don't have to control or define you the counselors of the grace wellness center would consider it a privilege to come alongside and help you replace the fear and frustration with freedom and peace while office visits are still available throughout the area grace wellness center also offers online and phone appointments to make counseling convenient and available on your terms accepting all major insurances at thegracewellnesscenter.com well this is the season of um high school dances isn't it i mean supposed to be you know, for a lot of schools, this was homecoming weekend. Now, I guess depending upon where you're going to school and you know the the safety and health of your your football team, uh, that would depend upon if there's a homecoming dance. And the fact of the matter is that many homecoming dances, like everything else, because Kath, as you say, COVID ruins ruins everything, right? Homecoming dances either have been totally canceled or they're doing crazy social distancing homecoming dances. I bet that'd now, be a good time. I've seen some photos of, of homecoming dances where people, <laughs> these poor couples, these kids, they're, they're dancing, so to speak, six feet apart. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> these poor kids, the things oh. that they have to endure, uh, oh. it just doesn't seem right. And so the whole experience, so they can't put like, you know, when the homecoming queen is crowned, the court has to stay away from each other. No one's touching the crown. There's no official sort of, you know, walking down, you know, and being presented. Right. Homecoming queen, your king. He's He's in a different room somewhere. Right. So, I mean. COVID ruins homecoming. COVID ruins everything. As I said, I'll be having t-shirts made. Yes, too bad. Okay, well, one thing COVID didn't ruin, John, were the uh, NBA playoffs and finals. Oh, spare me. I could have cared less. Listen, listen, I thought they did a terrific job with it. I really did. Well, for the bubble. Yeah. Yeah, they did a terrific job keeping uh, people uh, connected, disconnected from each other. However, I don't want to tune into an NBA game and be lectured. Right. I'm just not I gonna understand watch it. that. I understand that, but it's still a huge public health achievement that they were able to do that yes, I with agree. not one single 
positive case. I mean, talk about people like completely buying in. There's a terrific article in today's Washington Post by Ben Golliver, who covered the NBA finals for the Post and just talked about what the experience was like for all that time being in the Disney World bubble. And of course, you know, taking off today and saying, oh my gosh, I guess I have to go back to the rest of the world. This is what he did when he left. You ready, John? Hmm. I removed my magic band which grants access to my hotel room, the arena, and the practice facilities for my right wrist. Hmm. Then I ditched my tattered credential, which I wear every moment around my neck at all times to ward off inquiries from security guards. Oh, my gosh. I take off my Connexon proximity alarm, which beeps like a smoke detector anytime I linger within six feet of another person. Then I slide my aura tracking ring, which monitors my temperature in real time off what? my right middle finger. Aura? And finally... I will delete a health tracking app, which has required me every single day to input my temperature and blood oxygen level from my iPhone. That's what every single person in that bubble had to do for all that time. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it is really, really, really impressive. He said, depending on the hour, it was whimsical or grueling, exhilarating or disheartening, bustling or tedious or sunny or stormy. Oh, that is really sad. Okay, yeah. but look, they made it through. And for those fans at home who did care, I guess it was worth it, right? Well, yeah. And I think it was worth it for all the players, worth it for anybody who's trying to accomplish something that requires a lot, of course, at essence, at its heart, teamwork. Right. Right. right? And it's not just on the court, right? It's yeah. off the court as well. Everybody had to decide, look, for all of us, and we have, as the article said, a billion reasons to do this, right? They're all going to be making a lot of money yeah. if they can pull it off. But listen, they did. people are making a billion dollars doing all sorts of other things at other corporations, and they're not able to pull this off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So kudos to them. Kudos to the NBA. Yeah. All right. Um, What do you say? So we're not doing homecoming. No. NBA's over. NBA's Uh, over. Major League Baseball. And there's football tonight. How about that? There's a Tuesday night football game. Are the Patriots playing tonight? Is it the Patriots, Patriots, Mike? I think so. Okay. No, no, no. Patriots. I don't think it is the Patriots. I think their game got canceled because they had another player that tested positive on Sunday. Really? Yeah. Uh, well, what about? Oh, maybe the is it the Titans? Maybe. I don't think so. I don't think the Titans are playing at all, are they? Because they tested positive as well again. So. Mm, NFL. I don't know. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, we'll find anyway, out. let's take a break. Come back. We get a smidge ahead, so stay with us for the smidge. If you're like me, there's been days this year where you felt pretty discouraged. I'm not normally a Davy Downer, but at times, it's felt like tough, sad, or scary stuff everywhere I turn. And as we near this election, no matter your point of view, more heavy days are probably ahead. But then yesterday, I heard a different kind of story about my niece, who spent the entire summer babysitting and saving her money, only to then say out of the blue, Mom, I want to donate my summer savings. She had learned about an organization that delivered toys and Bibles to less fortunate kids. And I heard a story about a little local cafe whose business was not doing well, but decided anyways to deliver dozens of free lunches to nearby seniors struggling with isolation. At our Faith and Family Mortgage Team, we challenged ourselves this week to open our eyes to those who inspire us and to try to do some inspiring ourselves. Maybe joining with us might also encourage you. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. Help at Home, formerly Excel Home Care, is proud to offer benefits to heroes of home care, including hero pay and hero sign-on bonuses. 
Any caregiver who joins the Help at Home team is eligible for a Hero Pay $500 sign-on bonus plus ongoing bonus pay. We know it's been a difficult time. Help at Home wants to make sure you get the Hero Pay you deserve. Give us a call today to find out more or go to helpathomepa.com. That's helpathomepa.com. This is Albert Butler with another word about the upcoming election. There is so much at stake. We might not be able to vote as conveniently as we have voted before, but that just puts on Christian citizens the responsibility to work even harder to make sure that we vote and that our vote counts. Too much is at stake to sit this election out. So, whatever it takes, go vote. Our world needs hope like never before. But lives change for the better when hope breaks through. We always like to begin with the Word of God because it is the power unto salvation. Help Cornerstone Television Network light up our city with the truth and hope of the gospel. Alongside special guests Joan Hunter, Mike Smalley, Pat Schatzline, Keenan Bridges, and Real Talk Kim. Watch the Hope Breaks Through partnership broadcast October 12th through 16th at 8 p.m. on Cornerstone Television Network. It's no surprise that healthy living begins with what we eat. Stop by Fresh Time Market for extra large red, green, or black seedless grapes, 99 cents a pound. Now through October 13th, you can trust Fresh Time to bring you real food at real affordable prices. It's starting to hear the passing today of a, a jazz great here in the city of Pittsburgh. Harold Betters passed away at the age of 92. And I'm certainly old enough to remember Harold Betters as a big force here in the mm-hmm. city of Pittsburgh at local jazz clubs. I mean, um, I think he took up residence at Walt Harper's Attic in Market Square for many a year. And uh, there used to be a jazz club at uh, Oxford Center, mm-hmm. right in down the, in the in basement the first there. Floor, yeah. And uh, I mean, Harold Betters, he, he was a giant. I mean, yeah. Pittsburgh known for its jazz scene. Harold Betters lived it and uh, lived it well. It's hard to see him go. Yeah, I agree. We were talking uh, before the break about the NBA. I think I hesitated to uh, mention that the Lakers won. I was all excited to talk about how great it was that they were able to finish, and it is great, but also great that the Lakers won. Uh, LeBron James with his fourth championship. The guy is just a giant among men. Okay, um, listen, uh, yeah. as excited as I was to have sports come back, I'm kind of met about yeah, sports Yeah, I'm surprised. Right I don't really understand. I don't know. I mean, this. I look at Major League Baseball, and I go, meh. I see the Steelers and I go, oh, yeah, I'm going to watch some Steelers. I mean, yeah, but still, it just kind of feels like a big hmm. meh. Well, that's kind yeah. of sad, I think. I don't know. Do you, you I mean, to... really? Are you excited by sports happening? Yeah, I really am. Really? Are yeah, you watching? Think, or what are you what... watching? Did you watch? I mean, I watched the NBA. Did you? Yeah, because you have to watch LeBron James. I mean, yeah, he's just, yeah, I mean, right. it's like. I, a, I watched maybe 10 minutes of it, maybe. It's history. I mean, it's just shocking. Did you um, watch uh, baseball? I have not watched any baseball at all. Mm-hmm. No baseball. Mm-hmm. And I love baseball, but I have watched a lot of football. I watched a little baseball last night. There's fans in the stands in, in Atlanta. Yeah, how about that? It's weird. Did you watch Charlie Morton? Uh, I what did is not. it? I said it is a special kind of torture mm-hmm. to be a baseball fan in Pittsburgh and mm-hmm. watch mediocre Precious. pirate pitchers evolve into, into superstars. Die young when they put on a different uniform. How many times have we seen it? Seriously. I mean, 20, 30 just players. In the last three days, we got to see Garrett Cole, Charlie yep. Morton, and what's his name? I mean, I just can't stand it. Gosh, yeah. drives That's... me crazy. Hey, we also were talking about tonight's NFL game. It is Buffalo and Tennessee. 
All right. I'm not sure what time that starts. If that's a if that's an eight thirty, probably an eight thirty start. Now, would so, you watch that? Yeah, sure. Really? I, see, I would go. No, nah, I don't think so. What? I don't understand you. I, I mean, just don't. I last don't know. night there was a big game that was the Saints and the Chargers. That went to that went into overtime. That was awesome. Mm. Seven o'clock start tonight. I like that so much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, it's I don't know. There's something about COVID. This COVID. It's hard for me to care and or focus about sports. Mm. That's all. I don't know. Oh, it's going on a long time. I don't want you to lose all your ability to right. focus over this. Uh, I mean, I, I saw pomegranate pandemic. in the grocery store the other day, and I felt kind of sad because, you know, pomegranates and baseball sort of, you know, at this time of year go hand in hand. For me. Right. Well, if you're not going to invest, it's not going to come find you, John. Right. Okay. I'll get a pomegranate or a candle, I guess, depending upon what you got. <laughs> hey, thanks for being with us. We'll see you tomorrow, God willing. Have yourself a great night. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.